Well, I hope you two don't feel um, that this is something personal, but last time you were on the show, um, the show that never, ever aired, John didn't turn up, and we're recording today, and John hasn't turned up. I'm sure he has very valid reasons. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we ought to tell people who he hasn't turned up for. So, um, JP, Alexander, introduce yourselves. Yeah, so my name is Alexander Stixen. I'm one of the founders of, of Realm. So my original background was that I used to be an engineer at Nokia, uh, where we did a lot of work on how to make mobile phones efficient, essentially. And that has made us see a lot of opportunities to actually improve how you handle data on mobile phones. So that was kind of like the origin of, of starting Realm. Yeah, my name's JP Smard, and I've been with Realm for about 10 months now. We've been working on, uh, I've been working mostly on the Cocoa Binding, so the Objective-C, and, and more recently the Swift side of things. Cool. Well, um, as I said, we have attempted this interview before, um, and John didn't turn up, as previously stated. Um but we had some audio issues and it wasn't quite working out. And I think that was probably mid-December 2014 we were doing that. Um, so thank you very much for coming back and having another go. Although for most people, it's going to be the first time they've heard you. But um, you've just said that there's been actually quite a lot of changes since we last recorded. So maybe maybe this is the right way. Maybe this was, the, maybe this was what was uh, supposed to happen and we were just ahead of our time. But we'll see. Yeah, that's one way um, to put it. Either uh, through audio issues or that we enjoyed uh, the conversation so much last time that you wanted to have us again. And I will try and sound surprised and interested <laughs> at every revelation of how good the product is. Now, the other thing is I've actually been uh, using the product uh, in a development project since our last recording. So um, I'm going to try and, as I did last time, ask questions from someone who's never used it. But obviously that gets a little bit harder when you have actually used it. So um uh, if I if you find I'm skipping over things or jumping over things, um, you know, just you just say, you know, just take it back a step or do whatever else, so that the people listening who haven't heard of anything about it or use Realm yet can uh, can um, get the full pitch. So I guess we need to immediately take a step back and uh, say, what is Realm? Well, okay, I'll I'll start because uh, I guess this is more of a cocoa oriented um, uh, podcast, and then Alice can fill in some of the gaps. Um, but Realm is really a database for mobile devices, and it's extremely optimized for that, both from a performance standpoint and from a development standpoint. And uh, we really just think that it's a, a more modern and better way to build apps overall. You know, the data model and the data structures is so such an integral part of um, of, of application design that uh, you know the database is really at the heart of that, um, and so. On iOS and on OS X, which is probably most relevant to, to this audience, um, it's really a way to uh, both persist and deal with data in your apps. So it's, it, it allows you to do things um, that you would traditionally use other databases like Core Data or SQLite, uh, but it can do it in a pretty efficient and, we think, a pleasant developer experience way. Alex, if you have uh, things to add there, maybe more on the lower level, explaining what, what Realm is uh, beyond just iOS and OS X. Yeah, the fundamental idea behind Realm was that we had seen that the, in the backend world, 
databases had gone through this huge revolution. There's been all these new databases coming up. There's this huge wave of innovation. But on the mobile side, really nothing had happened. I mean, since SQLite came out, there's really been nothing but a series of rapid builds on top of that for like the last 10 years. Um, so that's where we saw the opportunity to actually make a modern database, something that was built for the way mobile devices works from day one, and something that actually uses all the advances that's been in, in database technology in over the last 10 years. Yeah, so we should also cool. say that Realm is uh, also available on, on Android. And um, basically, the, the way Realm works from a very high level at this point is that there's a custom database engine that uh, was written completely from scratch that's written in C++, and that's wrapped in both the Cocoa binding and our Android binding. And we have uh, some exciting plans for more bindings in the future. So um, you've just preempted my next question now, which is about, you know, um, it, it's effectively, as far as most of our audience are cons- concerned, who are going to be um, either OS ten or iOS or both developers, it's effectively a core data replacement in, in, in this um, like, but uh, it's actually built on top of a custom database engine, not like Core Data, which is built on top of SQLite. So you've not just created another wrapper. So Realm, people probably think, has not been around that long because it's you know um, fairly fresh. But you know, database engines take a um, you know a time to mature and, and get right. So um, you know, what is what is the root of this database engine? What's the background of this database engine that Realm is built on? Yeah, so it's actually, it's not as new as you would think. It's actually been in development for more than three years. And it's been running in production in some really big companies for almost two years. So it's actually relatively mature, the underlying engine. The top layer is still new, the stuff with does the deep integration with Objective-C and Swift and, and Java and Android. Those layers are still pretty new, but the core is really solid and has been used for a long time for really hardcore developments. So people can rest assured because, you know, one of the things that people often say is, you know, never base your uh, application on a brand new database technology. But, uh, you yeah, know, this isn't brand new. Some of the, the libraries are new, but you know, on the whole, it's, uh, uh, it's it's had some thorough testing in there and been around for a few years, which in modern terms, you know, a few years is a long time. Yeah, definitely. Especially given that, uh, that Realm's main goal is really to bring mobile databases back into the modern era. Uh, you still consider that it's been under development for a few years. And, um, you know, so you, it's really a matter of striking, striking a balance between stability and, and, and modern new hotness. Okay, so let's just set the scene just a little bit more and then we'll move into um, digging into some of the more of the specifics of using it and developing with it and uh, and the uh, the nitty-gritty that our listeners will be really, really interested in. Um, so I just sort of casually said um, it's a core data replacement um, uh, without really any sort of technical justification of that or even 100% knowledge if that's 100% true. But Realm is effectively... Um, designed to be a a single user database on a single device um much like people will use core data for as opposed to being more like a mice uh, a mysql or an oracle or a, a postgres which is designed to have lots of people connect to it is that correct yes that is correct I mean, the idea is to run on the device and for building into your app just like core data and again, the, the also the, the fundamental model is also it's it's an object database which 
is somewhat similar to core data and, and very dissimilar from SQL. Okay, so is it, um, we don't really need to know this detail apart from you've got me interested now. Is it uh, a model database, uh, sorry, an object database right down to its its core? Or is it like core data, it puts a, a object-based layer on top of something that is actually relational? No, it is essentially an object database all the way down to the core. So it hand, everything like links between objects, all the stuff, it's all handled directly in the core. There's no mapping between this and, and uh, like a SQL layer where it has to do joints and all that kind of things underneath. So that is one of the, the key elements in making a modern database. Yeah, that was one of the main design goals, uh, both for the underlying database engine and the, the language wrappers that sit at, atop of it, um, was to avoid some of the pitfalls that occur in some of the other object relational mapping uh, wrappers. Uh, and, you, and you've mentioned a few. Um, and so what often happens is when you're using a relational database to represent object graphs, um, you end up having some pretty leaky abstractions there where the user thinks, the user actually sees a lot of power through that, uh, would, rightly so. But what usually happens is a certain level of indirection where, for example, you think that you have uh, direct links to objects. You know, what's, what's often used as an example is, let's say you have a company model and an employee model. Uh, well, the company has many employees, and from a user perspective, you know, these ORMs allow them to have nice relationships and, um, and allow querying on certain relationship properties. But ultimately, there's a lot of indirection happening there where typically with a relational database, what's happening behind the scenes is that there, there are some joins and some pretty expensive uh, transformations to happen to make that work. And with Realm, the goal was really to kind of narrow that gap between um, really the, the wrapper the language wrapper and the core database engine so that there's as little indirection as possible, which actually simplifies my job quite a bit as a binding engineer to really just focus on, on uh, really my job is just to make the, the core database engine slower. Um, but basically most of the functionalities is all in, in the core. Cool. So let's, let's start talking about how we use this. So the first thing um, I'm going to, I'm going to follow um, a sort of questioning path that I would probably follow if I was asking someone about core data. Um, and the reason I'm going to do that is um, because that's probably what a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, the paradigms will be um, familiar and, and, and it will just help us to see the differences, see the similarities. But I appreciate there may be some things that um, don't necessarily fit that model and way of doing it that we need to branch out on a tangent to or you need to pull me around on. So um, feel free as we go. Um, so if I was doing a new core data database, I would start with a model and I'd go into Xcode and I'd start the model designer and I'd put my entities and draw my relationships and um, all that sort of thing. So you know, what's the first thing I'm going to do to do that in um, uh, Realm? Well, that brings us to, to another design decision that uh, that we made. You know, we we're actually big fans of the um, of, of the way that you can draw your model in core data, the, the, the core data model editor. Uh, but ultimately, there was, again, some indirection that was happening there uh, in, in that specific example where, let's say, you know, you have to keep both a, um, a source code file for your model definition in sync with a uh, graphical like XML representation of that model. And ultimately, you know, there's code generation that's happening there. And there's basically a duplicate model definition that needs to be kept in sync. 
And um, since there's a lot of value in having a type safe model where you actually have classes uh, with specific property types that can represent values, uh, there's a lot of value in that. Um, and so we, we decided to really just take the approach that you would if you were building an app strictly in memory, where you would define your models as, say, classes with, uh, with properties. And, and that's really the only model step that the model design step that you have in Realm is really directly writing these classes. So there's no code generation involved. Um, there's no kind of keeping multiple versions of a model in sync. And that kind of leads to migration as well, which I don't know, maybe we'll cover later. Um, but that was a very important design decision. It's, it's a polarizing one, but it's one that we felt was, uh, was much, much worthwhile. Okay, so if people go to the uh, the Realm website, which uh, we'll put in the show notes at realm dot io, uh, and um, follow your uh, uh, introduction, your documentation, um, we can see there that the effectively they're just um, uh, Swift or Objective C classes that are descending from uh, what looks like um, a, a, an RM a RLM object. So I'm assuming I pronounce that Realm object. Yeah, that's right. And then the date. Data is just declared as, as properties, so that's actually really quite simple. Yep. So model definitions are regular, you know, plain old NS objects, um, ponsos, and uh, and so you basically just inherit from RLM object, and uh, you set your properties. So let's say you have a company object, you know, you'd have um, a name string property on that company. You might you might have a collection of employee objects that are also models. And uh, we have a concept of typed collections in Realm that allow you to have um, lots and lots of data that are tied to an object through a relationship without necessarily having to load all this in memory, um, which is actually pretty critical. So unlike an NS array that has to load everything into memory, we have the concept of an RLM array uh, that's typed on a specific object. And so in Swift, actually, you actually get some of the uh, some of the nice language features like generics to come out of that because um, you, know, you can actually use a, a typed container. In Objective C, we kind of uh, came up with with a nice little workaround there to basically represent generics into the language. But that's uh, that's mostly the the general concept is you define your classes as you would if you were in memory. Cool. Now. Um what property types do you support? We support most of the things that you'd want to represent in uh, in models. Uh, so things like strings, dates, uh, floats, doubles, integers, booleans, um, links. So either one to one or one to many. Um, is there anything that I'm missing? The um, data. Data is pretty important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. NS data. Yeah. So blob blob data basically. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, that's mostly it, and and because we support links, um, it's pretty easy to compose your own types. So really, you can, um, you know, if if let's say you wanted to represent a, a URL model, well, you could either you know maybe encapsulate that in an, another RLM object model where you would have, say, like the uh, the explicit components of that URL split out in different string properties. Um, so there's there's quite a bit that you can do. Now, I just see in the documentation, and as I began to use this, that you, you use property statements to represent the um, attributes of the entity that's going to go into the database. 
but you it says in your documentation you totally ignore the the normal um property attributes from objective c like non-atomic and atomic and strong and copy and weak um you know what what's going on there because that that makes it feel like it's not you know, it's not really properties that you're using it as a convenience is that correct or am i misunderstanding you know, properties are really just a convenience uh, at that level. So um, just to elaborate a little bit, um, those arc semantics or um, non-atomic atomic semantics um, don't really apply to Realm directly because we use our own storage model under the hood, right? So your properties aren't backed by uh, in-memory IVARs. They're actually backed by the database values directly, which give you like we mentioned earlier, a little bit less indirection. You're directly modifying and accessing the database values. And uh, and so those arc semantics don't really apply where um, you know, weak or strong don't necessarily apply to a, a persisted database where your, your object is always there, your property is always there. Um, so that's ultimately why when your object is in a realm, we mostly ignore those uh, those arc semantics, and it's really only if you um, basically create your object out of a realm, which is entirely possible. You can just create uh, create an, an RLM object in memory directly, or you can take an object out of the realm if you really need to manipulate it in memory. Uh, in that case, then those arc semantics are applied because it's just a regular NS object. Um, but but most of the time, we have our own really optimized. Uh, storage semantics under the hood. Okay. Um, we've just introduced some terminology there that we've not mentioned before. You've said if an object is in a realm or if it's not in a realm. Um, so I guess it makes sense for my next question to be, what's a realm? <laughs> uh, so so a realm is really just a, a word that we use to, to say the database. Um, but uh, a realm basically maps to a single database file. Um, you can have multiple realms, just like you can have you know, multiple local databases. Um, and ultimately, you create this RLM realm instance to access a representation of a database. Uh, and we take care of you know, opening the connection, closing the connection for you um, to basically just rely on the constructs that you're used to um, as a developer just working in memory and try to map that as best we can to uh, working with a database pattern. So, so a realm is effectively um, your, to go back to my core data parlance, is effectively your object, um, managed object context. Uh, well, in fact, it's the whole stack, isn't it? It's, it's the whole stack for you in one go. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's a little bit of a simplification um, when you're making that comparison, but it's a little closer to uh, you know having a database connection in SQLite where um, there's really a lot less in that stack and that's what we mean by you know being closer to the metal, less in direction, is that um, it's really not like a traditional ORM that does a lot uh, because most of that functionality is in the core. So it's really the equivalent of a database connection. Okay, so you said a realm maps to a single file. So um, that suggests that realm is a single file database. Well, yeah, exactly. So... Um, you initialize an RLM realm instance by passing in a path or an in-memory identifier because you can have in-memory realms as well, which is sometimes useful if you really want to rely on the um, very fast, very uh, kind of query-empowered um, 
object graph that you want to represent. So you pass in a path and you can have many realms open at once. And, and some of our users do this, lots of our users do this actually, where say they'll pre-bundle the realm with some data in the app bundle. And, uh, and then they'll have one or more realms that they can read and write to that's, uh, that's in the app sandbox, let's say. Um, so you can have as, as many of these files as the system will allow. Okay, but they're all, um, so you can have multiple databases open at once, but the databases, by the fact they're in separate files, are disconnected. There's no relationship between them. Uh, as such. That's right. They're not, they're not one amorphous blob. They're, they're separate entities, but you can have multiple ones open is what I guess what you're saying there. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, so I'm going to have a file on on on, on uh, the, I'm going to still call it the disk, on the device somewhere uh, that is going to be representation of my data. I'm going to use a realm object uh, to be my access to that data. So um, uh, I, I guess... Okay, we're going to need some data to work on in an app, first of all. So I guess the first thing the data, that we're going to need to do is put some data into the into the database. So maybe just walk me through a little bit of the um, uh, the philosophy, the concept of how I would, uh, you know, create a new person object or person record and get it into my database so that I could get it back again later. So let's let's walk through those steps if you were to do that um, without any sort of persistence or, or database or third-party product, right? You'd create a person model that would probably inherit from NS object in, in Objective-C. Then you give it uh, an NS string name property. And, um, maybe you'd give it a first name, last name, NS string properties, maybe an integer age or something like that. And then to create that in-memory representation of a person, you'll do person alloc init and then person.name is uh, Scotty, and then person.age is whatever value you'd like to put there. Um, and, uh, and there you go, you'd have, your, you'd have your person object. And in Realm, the only difference is that you inherit from RLM object instead of NS object. Um, so if you were to do these exact steps, alloc init, set the name, set the age, you'd then have um, an, uh, a person object. Uh, if you wanted to persist that, you could call RLM Realm default realm, which is it, it basically sets up a stack with a number of defaults that are that are chosen for you. So it has a default file location, um, and uh, and then you do this this realm instance. Um, you'd create a write transaction, which is really just say um, begin transaction and commit transaction, and in there you'd say realm add object person. And as soon as you do that, um, then this object is persisted in a realm that we've created for you uh, that has all of the appropriate schema. It also has a, a schema version that can help with migrations later on. Um, so there's, there's quite a bit that happens there. But in terms of as far as the user is concerned, it's, it's usually just adding an object to the realm and that's done. Uh, from there on, anywhere else in your app that you call um, you know, person all objects, you'll get back that person that you added. Okay, so you said we call uh, Realm begin write transaction and we add it. So if there's a begin, um, does that suggest there's an end or a finish or a close or a something? Yeah, so depending on the situation, you, you might want to commit uh, that, that transaction. Um, you might want to cancel that transaction, which is essentially a, a database rollback. Um, and most of the time, since these calls have to be paired, uh, you can use a transaction block. 
So it's just a nice way to really encapsulate and say, well, I'm writing or I'm making modifications here. Um, and you know, that that's quite useful when, when trying to um, isolate the, the mutating aspects of your app where, where you're mutating state or mutating data, um, where you really have to be explicit and say, I'm making changes here. Um, and you can either call that transaction block or, or that begin commit transaction on you know, the main thread or on a separate thread. Um, but the point is really to kind of encapsulate that, uh, that mutation in, in an isolated area. So um, in the context of, say, an iOS application where you get your Klexum data on a, um, in a view and then someone will hit the save button and you gather the values from uh, all those um, controls and you'll stick it into an object and, and do a do a save that all works very nicely um i'm guessing that means you don't want to use this with bindings on os 10 because um that's not going to support the uh, uh the beginning commit writing or it will do it every for every single object uh, uh every single change on every single property or whatever which obviously is going to be really inefficient so it's it's, it's really um it fits the ios model and the pre-binding model for, for OS X is the best way to use this. Yeah, in terms of bindings, um, you know, a, a really easy way to, to do this would just be to allocate your, your RLM object in memory. And then once you have that, you know, you tie it to the bindings, every single property change, even if you're doing it thousands of times a second, you know, it's really just a plain NS object at that point. And it's once the once you want the user to commit these changes, which is pretty common on OS 10, you know, to have a, a committing step, it's at that point that you would either create or update the that in-memory object in the realm. Okay, so um, I, I just want to make sure I clarify this fully. So I can create um, an object outside, you know, I don't need to do anything about a realm, I can just create it, use it as a normal NS object, then add it. I'm guessing that once uh, an object's been added to a realm and I get it out again, and we'll talk about querying, get it out again in a moment, um, any changes I make to it from that point need to be in the context of a transaction. Um, yeah, so that's really the the 90% case, um, is that once you take an object out and you start um, mutating its properties, then those are directly accessing the, the database values. And so setting the name to something else or increasing the age will uh, will directly re be reflected in the database. Now, there are cases in which you want to be able to make lots of modifications, say, to your object without necessarily committing to it, in which case you basically have two options. You can either um, make a copy of the object in memory, which is really how um, most ORMs work, is they'll have kind of a serialization, a deserialization step, and then they'll bring it into memory, and then they'll you know, do something like KVO observe, the uh, the property values and then set the database value. Um, uh, well, in Realm, if you make an in-memory representation of your object, it, it literally becomes just an in-memory object that's that's detached from the database. Uh, that gives you a little bit more control, but you do lose kind of the performance um, the performance enhancements that you get by just having your object be directly you know, memory mapped to the database, and, and you're not serialization. You're not serializing and deserializing and going through all these expensive steps. Cool, cool. Now, just before we move on to reading, querying data, um, threading. Um, so, this is writing to objects and saving objects. How does um, 
this work in a sort of multi-threaded environment? What's what's the rules we have to stick to? Yeah, so pretty much the only rule you have to stick to is this: that every write happens through a transaction. That's pretty much the only thing you have to worry about. So it's it, the database underneath is built for concurrency. So as you can open the same realm as, on as many threads as you want. You can still, I mean, you just have to make sure that you always access through the realm that's like native to that thread. But you can open the exact same object on, on multiple threads. You can read them in parallel. And it's really fast because it doesn't have to, I mean, everything will work on its own snapshot. So it doesn't have to copy data between the threads. Um, and as long as okay, and, so yeah, as long as you remember to do transactions when you do writes, then you really won't have any problems. So let me make sure I understand that you you have a realm object on every thread, um, and then you make sure that all your updates are in the context of a read and a write, um, and that that has to be on a single thread. So you can't. Uh, sorry, in, oh, let me say it again. You have to make sure all your updates are in the context of a begin transaction and a commit transaction, and they both all those changes need to happen on the same thread. So you can use multiple ob realm objects representing the same record on different threads as long as they're coming they're in a different object from a realm that's unique to the thread. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. Um, okay. and, and there's a, a few I think, rules I think around I could that. have phrased that in a slightly easier way, but there we go. Yeah, are. maybe another way to put it is that you know the transactions have to. Uh, be confined to a single thread. Um, so yeah, you can well, have that's multiple concurrent well, transactions, but you know you can't begin a transaction on one thread and commit from another. Um, and you know there's there's another rule that's uh, that's also useful to know in terms of concurrency, and that's that um, writes happen sequentially. So writes block other writes, but they don't block reads. Um, reads don't block other reads. And so, um, really, the only thing that uh, that's blocking are writes that block other writes. Yeah. So that means that if, if you have a, a thread like the main thread that just does reads, just to update the UI, it will never be blocked. Essentially, even no, even if lots of our threads are writing to the database at the same time. Okay. Now, obviously, um, I just want to make sure. I think this is really important, especially in most, uh, you know modern apps now are very multi-threaded and concurrent and, and, and understanding you know people people get themselves in a whole bunch of mess with things like core data actually they don't often realize they're getting themselves in a whole bunch of mess because they don't understand the rules but that's a different issue um so um i guess you have to be a little bit careful with some things like passing um passing a realm object into something that then the object comes back in a completion handler or something because sometimes those completion handlers will be running on a different thread um, because of you know, the, the thing that's handled them and so you possibly would you suggest that you you don't pass realm objects around that way you maybe pass their ids around and let the thing that's doing the completion grab another copy again how would you work that sort of am i making sense what i'm asking yes absolutely um, that that is basically the way the easiest way to do today you can you can add like a, a primary key to your object so you can do quick lookups on it and that primary key is very easy to pass along between threads so that that is the, the easiest way to do it today we are actually working on ways to also pass objects directly between threads but that's still coming in a future version Okay, so right now it's it's, uh, and I think people have to sometimes be aware that you know completion handlers are often, especially if there's been any network stuff involved, otherwise are happening on different threads to the thread you launched on, and 
if you pass new stuff around, I guess you could get some bugs there if you if you weren't aware of that. Okay, um, so realm objects themselves are they really lightweight? Are they? I mean, if I sort of just got into the habit of passing around an ID and then quickly creating a new realm object on a new thread and, and loading it up, is that all really lightweight, or is that a massive overhead? No, that's actually super lightweight because. Um Realm objects don't load all of their data from the disk directly. You know, say you have um, earlier we were using a company model, right? So, say you have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of employees. You know, you can have uh, a company object that has all of these relationships in memory, and you can create lots and lots of these. And that's not really going to be an issue because we're not loading all these values from the database. Uh, at allocation time, um, we're really just lazily loading them upon access. Um, so it's it's pretty pretty efficient to create these RLM object accessors. Uh, they're really just views into the database. So it's not like um, uh, I don't want to be inaccurate here, but I'm, I'm just it's not like core data where I would you know I'd hate to be firing up a core data stack every time I. <laughs> Drop, drop somewhere. This is really. I can just treat it that the, this the realm object is this a lightweight thing to throw around and well to, to to create do a couple of lines of code and get rid of again because it just means my code is thread safe if I'm doing that. Yeah, that's right. Um, another thing is these RLM realm instances are cached per thread. So if you're doing a lot of um, let's say work on a uh, on a GCD queue, well the realms for that queue are most likely going to be reused. Um, so creating RLM object instances is super cheap um, in most cases, but uh, creating RLM realm instances, which is more like the, the context or the stack, um, is a little pricier. It's still not that pricey compared to some alternatives, but it's still something that uh, if you can avoid, you probably should. Um, it depends on the case. Okay. Right, so um, we've spoken about models and we've spoken about getting data in and using realms in, in transactions. Um, how do I get data out again? How do you know? I want to. I want to now list um, all the customers that um, owe me more than ten pounds. Right. Um, so you know, we just mentioned that uh, accesses are, are lazy in realm. So um, if you were to do something like customer, because you're using a customer model, so customer all objects. What's What's going to happen there is we're running, we're basically just uh, creating an, all the accessors for um, all of the objects in the customer table in Realm. So we're going to get all, all, all the customers, but ultimately we're not creating the accessors and getting all the data for every single row. So you have millions and millions of customers um, and only a small portion of that list actually owes you, what is it, more than $10? So yeah. from that query, um, which is basically just an empty query, you can further refine it by saying, you know, customer, all objects, and then objects where, um, what is it, amount owed is larger than 10. You know, and so this amount owed is larger than 10 would be a, a string, or you could construct an NS predicate. It, it's basically the same thing under the hood. Um, and then you would get back an RLM results of all of these customers. And an RLM results is, is really um, like a memory mapped version of an NS array for Realm. So it's, 
is a very efficient container for Realm data that can that supports you know NSFast enumeration, subscripting, um, got getting objects out of there. So that's uh, that's pretty much how that works. Okay, so basically um, you're using uh, predicate syntax that you're going to be used to if you're um, uh, using core data or something like that anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Um, sourcing, ordering of result sets? Yep, yeah, so you can sort uh, a result set either by you know single property, multiple properties, ascending, descending, any sort of order you want to throw at it. Uh, but they do have to be properties in the models. Cool. Now, something that um, I I find quite interesting was the concept of um, query chaining, uh, where you could get a query, get a result set, and then then query that again with another selector. Um, that that um, just because you can do it doesn't mean uh, that necessarily you should. But is that is that sort of nice and efficient and quick and is that a recommended way of using it yeah you know one of the things that we tried to do was that if a user can do something we should make it efficient um and so for that reason chaining queries doesn't have uh, any more of a performance impact than let's say combining all of those queries into a single ns predicate through a number of and or, or statements um because these accesses are lazy, right? So the query isn't actually going to be run until you try to access a member of that result set. Um, so that being said, you can chain your res your results into queries and chain your queries as much as you want. It's not really going to make a difference. And so depending on your code architecture, it might make more sense to split up your, your, your queries into multiple different locations or, or areas in your code. Um, and for the same reason, you know, we don't support batch updates because pretty much everything in realm is a batch update because we have transactions um so you know for that reason we don't have something like mark all as red for for email models let's say right where all you'd have to do is is do a for loop and and just set the 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 red count there or the red flag there and ultimately it's just as efficient as uh if we had picked any other way to do it Cool. So um, one of the reasons that people like core data um, is because of relationships and uh, relationship handling. Um, you made quite a big deal at the start about uh, how, how relationships are just really easy in Realm. Um, so just, uh, just talk to us a little bit more about relationships, how they sort of work, you know, the to one, the to many, um, uh, inverse relationships, you know, many to many, or any, and you know, just 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 walk us through a little bit of what we need to understand about the way the realm works and how we do it when it comes to relationships. Right. So, um, a two-one relationship is um, should be really familiar if, if if you're used to writing objects or models in memory, where it's really just a, a pointer to the other model. So, let's say in a in a company model, you could have an employee object. And so you'd just do at property employee and you'd call it the CEO, you know, so that's a two one relationship. Uh, too many needs to use this RLM array concept. And that's, um, you know, that's what allows typed collections in realm. 
And so you'd, uh, you'd have an RLMRA that conforms to the employee protocol that basically tells Realm that this is a typed array on employee. And then you'd call that employees. Um, and so in terms of, of modeling that, you know, it should be pretty straightforward. The, the main difference uh, with doing it the in-memory route would be that instead of NSArray, you use an Arlem array and you make it conform to the protocol of the type that you're trying to store in there. Yeah, so the fundamental idea is just that it's, it's exactly like normal objects. <laughs> when you can have an object, objects can contain other objects or it can contain lists of other objects. And that's pretty much all you have to understand. Now, in terms of inverse relationships, um, what we chose to do there is definitely a departure from some of the other solutions that are out there. So um, the way we looked at it is, well, instead of necessarily storing uh, an additional column for every model um, that basically duplicates the information of you know, a one-way relationship to make it two ways, um, because everything, these relationships in Realm are all links, we can really just take the link and go the other way, uh, go in the other direction. So we have um, a method, an instance method on an RLM object that can uh, return basically objects that are pointing to it from a certain property name, right? So let's say you have, you know, this company and employees concept. On employee, um, you can call a function or uh, an instance method on that employee RLM object and say, well, give me the companies that point to this employee through its employee's property or through its CEO property. Um, and so that allows us to really be efficient in terms of the storage of these inverse relationships, but still allow uh, kind of users to, to rely on the, on the power of inverse relationships. And so oftentimes what users will do is they'll create a computed property that's, uh, let's say, company um, on, this, on this employee and then uh, they'll just call this linking objects of class with property function. That's really pretty efficient and powerful, isn't it? I like that a lot. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, it's interesting because Core Data really does this through a graphical editor. Uh, and it really kind of abstracts away what's happening here. Um, and so, sure, there's a little bit more kind of mental overhead maybe for the users to actually think, okay, well, what's the linking class for this inverse property and what's the, the linking property for it? But ultimately, there's a lot less magic and it's still just a single line of code. Um, but uh, it's, it's just a lot more explicit and maybe a little bit less indirection as to what's happening here. Cool. Now, in... Um other database model, uh, database, um, oh, brain's gone blank. I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> so in something like core data, um, you're often using the concept of notifications to let people know, um, what's, what's going on or let other parts of your app know, know what's going on. Um, and when changes have made, now we've already said that you, know, when you change, if you're within a context of a transaction, when you change a property on an object, that's going straight down to the, 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 the disk effectively that's changing the data on the fly there it's not you know it, it, it's uh, real time in there um but there's still going to be the concept of sometimes you've got one uh, one view doing something and uh someone else so, so if i had two objects pointing at the same uh at the same record two let's say two company objects and someone changed um 
the name using one of them within the context of a, a right transaction. Is that data immediately become, does the property on my objects immediately change or do I need to um, do a refresh? How does that work? Yeah, so the last thing that we'd want is for you to be in the process of, let's say, reading some data and, and making some changes based on, on that data, either UI changes or sending network requests or something, and then we change it while you're in the middle of that process. You know, So um, basically the way that uh, the data updates work in Realm is that uh, on the main thread, we use... We, we heavily rely on the run loop so that within any one iteration of the run loop, your data is consistent and um, you, know, you, can, you can assume that you have a consistent view of that. Um, so if let's say you were to make a change on a completely separate background thread, um, that data wouldn't be made available to the main thread until the next iteration of the run loop, uh, at which point you get a notification saying, hey, something's changed. Um, and then from there, you can you can make use of it. Now, if you're working with other threads than, than the main thread, uh, you'll have to do a manual refresh. If, let's say, you want to update your view of the model and the data like halfway through um, a transaction, but otherwise, um, mm-hmm. pretty much all transactions are up to date when they start. Cool, cool. Um, so... That's the basics before I'm going to move on to, you know, things like migrations and, and uh, other parts of it. Um, we, we have realms, we have realm objects, um, uh, we have transactions, uh, we have queries, we have relationships and some notification stuff. Is there anything else in the sort of basic day-to-day usage of realm that we need to be aware of before we move on to some of the sort of um, stuff that tends to bite you for release 1.1, 1.2, etc.? Well, I mean, we, we could possibly talk about um, importing from JSON and things like that. You know, that's another way to create objects that we didn't really mention. Um, and I'll just say a quick note on that. Um, basically, the yeah, let's go for there, it. There's an initializer on RLM object that allows you to pass in um, like a, a nested representation of that object that's either an NS dictionary or an NS array. So, you know, the simple simple model of you know a person model. And you have a name and an age. Well, you can either pass in a dictionary that sets a name, has has a name key for a name string, and then uh, a an age key for an NS number value. And uh, and so if you do person in it with object and pass in that di- dictionary, then you create that person. Uh, and that's that can be used in memory or directly in a realm. Um, doesn't really matter. And so if you're dealing with JSON or any sort of other format that can map to an NS dictionary, then that's supported. Um, But it goes a little beyond that where if, let's say, you have um, a relationship in this this model, so like a company and employees, uh, and you do company in it with object, and you pass in company name, and then you can also pass in a nested object for an employee that you want to create. Um, so that's that's actually quite powerful, and it usually maps pretty well with uh, with NSJSON serialization. Um, and it goes a little bit further than that too, where if you want to use, uh, let's say, something like Mantle or uh, KZ Property Mapper, or if you want to use any sort of other um, kind of mapping service, 
you can pass in those objects and Realm will use key value coding to see if uh, those objects have values at those properties and if so, just initialize a new object with the same values. And so that's also super useful if you want to copy an RLM object from one Realm to another where all you really have to do is RLM object, init with object, object in other realm, you know, and it'll just copy all the, all the necessary information from that. So it's, um, you know, this init with object is actually quite a powerful method, uh, quite a powerful initializer that allows you to, to do quite a bit. Mm, yeah, the key is it makes it really easy to interface to any REST API because as you get the input information, you can just put it right into the realm and you don't really need any middle steps. Which is really cool. Really cool. Jason is everywhere today. Jason is everywhere. Something that can handle Jason well helps everybody. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, we've created objects, maybe even thousands of them now, using Jason from uh, one of the millions of REST APIs that all our apps have to integrate with now. Um, and we've put released one of our app out there, and everybody loves it, and it's amazing, and it's and it's wonderful, and we have millions of users. And uh, now it's time for release 1.1, and we realize our data model is slightly wrong. Um, so we're going to have to change it. Uh, now, we enter the world there, the murky world of migrations, um, which calls people all sorts of fun in something like Core Data, which actually gives you a lot of help with doing it, but still makes it fun. Um, when you're in the world of SQLite or whatever else, then it's an incredibly painful and manual process to move data model between versions and all that. So what what am I looking forward to in Realm? What is um what's my pain threshold gonna need to be like? <laughs> Hopefully you'll enjoy the process. Um but you know migrations can only be made so uh, so much better. So um this is an area where we spent a lot of time designing what we wanted to do in Realm and um you know it, it was really about striking a balance with um keeping things simple, deduplicated, while still being powerful and, and allowing you to do mostly anything that you'd want. Um, and so let's, let's start with the really basics, um, automatic migrations. So if you add properties, if you remove properties, you move classes from your model, uh, all that should be done automatically. Uh, with the caveat of having to set an empty migration block. So Realm migrations work through migration blocks where you set the schema version. So you'll say set schema version to one because uh, it starts at zero. So let's say you're, you're planning on releasing 1.1. You'd, uh, you'd set schema version to one. And if all you did was do anything that I mentioned that supports automatic migrations, you can pass in an empty migration block. But the point is here that we're forcing you to at least acknowledge that you're changing the model. Um, and by doing so, uh, you're actually thinking about migrations, which is really what tends to bite people when they start to uh, think about version 1.1 of their app is that, oh, shoot, I forgot to duplicate my model and set the current version and you know, basically redo, regenerate my model files. And, and so what usually bites people is that they're not thinking about it. So by allowing to just pass in an empty migration block and and do an automatic migration that way, you're at least thinking about the process, uh, mm. but still trying to, you know, Realm's still trying to do as much of the heavy lifting for you as possible and, and ensure that you hurt yourself. You lost the call. Uh, so 
we lost the call and you were right in the middle of passionately <laughs> telling us about at least if you have to have a migration block you have to acknowledge migrations because lots of people don't plan or think about it so um just pick up the best from where you can remember where you left off yep. and, and uh, i'm sure it'll all make sense yeah we'll we'll do our best to sl- or you'll do your best to splice it in i'm, I'm sure it won't be uh, i'll try and make it easy for you um so you know the point being that uh it's really important for people to at least think about migrations uh even if realm is doing an automatic migration they're aware that uh, you know things are changing for their users and so you know that's really the simple case is where realm's going to perform an automatic automatic migration again this happens when uh, you've either just added properties added classes removed properties or removed classes you know so um, that's usually the the general case and the case in which you want to do data manipulation that's when you'll really want to use realms a little bit more powerful migration api which um, let's let's just walk over the design of that real quick so one of the things that we wanted to avoid in Realm was to duplicate your models. And we also wanted to avoid the user having to specify, having to keep old models around and say, well, this is the old version of the model, this was version three and four and five, and this is now version six, and the current version is version six. Now, there's a lot of duplication there where in reality, the database has all of this information. And um, ultimately, you know, as a programmer, I know that I'm going to make mistakes and I'd much rather um, you know, the database that has more information and that knows best uh, actually do the heavy lifting for me there. And so instead of having to duplicate your classes and, and keep all of your old models around, we expose a dynamic interface to Realm, which looks a lot like dictionary subscripting, where in a migration block, you enumerate over your old objects and you get to to modify them by assigning to the new objects. And instead of using um, properties and and, and dot property syntax for for setters and getters, we'll instead use uh, keyed subscripting with strings. So say you wanted to change your person model to go from first name and last name to a consolidated full name property. Um, so what you do is you'd say set schema version to one with migration block. And this migration block, you'd enumerate over all your objects and say new object full name equals um, old object first name plus old object last name. Or you'd do you know, string by appending string. Uh, and that'd be it. So at that point, you've, you've done your data manipulation. If you were going from, let's say, a string to an int, you know, you, you do the same thing there. Basically, you can do whatever sort of data manipulation that you'd like in these migration blocks as long as you're setting to valid uh, property key paths in your new objects. Now, I know some people will moan about that, but actually, um, you know, I think there should only be two states for migrations. Personally, that's it can do it by itself without you touching anything or just let me do it in code. Um, I think once you start introducing tools and set this up and that up it just makes life a bit more difficult and you can't track what you've done and in, in, in everything else so um, i like that i like the way i can you just give me the ability to um walk through in code and and update things um so what about when i add version 1.2 or 1.3 um and it changes again but you know there's the oh, never there's still going to be people on version one and people on version um you know uh 1.0 whatever does it does it just 
know and step its way through the different migrations till it reaches the right point? Well, it's all code, right? So it's it's whatever you'd like it to do. But we think it's pretty straightforward to just uh, have linear migrations. So in this migration block, you can you can detect the original version, and so. Uh, you know, set schema version to one, and then you pass in a migration block, well, you can check, is old schema version zero? Um, or let's say you're setting it to two, is it zero or one? And so if you do these checks sequentially, then your migration will just step through one and then go to the other and then go to the other. But if you wanted to have an optimized path from zero to two, then you just have to make sure that you, you just you know, specify that specific path um, by you know, basically just passing in the, the right conditional. So you have quite a bit of flexibility. So you are in control, which is great. Developers would love that. We love control. <laughs> yeah, we want to reduce yeah. the magic here. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we've covered lots of stuff. Let's, um, let's just deal with a few other um, little bits and bobs because obviously we're... Um, we're dealing with a, a database engine, which uh, until you use Realm, you'll have no familiarity with. So you, you know, um, but no. So things like uh, how do things like encryption work? Does the database support encryption um, and uh, hashing and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, uh, encryption works in a number of ways, and and we're really blessed on iOS to have NS file protection APIs um, because those are done at a very low level, very optimized by iOS. Um, and so for most people, actually, using the NS file protection APIs is, uh, is going to be what they'll want to do, where they set uh, a file attribute on the Realm file that basically says, you know, you have a number of different encryption flags that you can set there, but it'll use an encryption key that's derived from the user's passcode uh, to encrypt the Realm file. Now, there are cases in which that's not going to be sufficient. There are cases in which you want to encrypt the file no matter whether or not the user has a password set on their iOS device or not. Or you'll want to be able to share a Realm file between an OS X app and an iOS app, and OS X doesn't support NS file protection. Or you'll want to share a file with Android, let's say. And so Realm also supports um, passing in an encryption key. And so we have equivalent methods for Arlen Realm instance creations uh, with that include passing in an encryption key. We have the same thing for pretty much anything that accesses an Arlen Realm, uh, including migrations. And so in that case, you have to provide uh, what is it? I think it's a 64-bit encryption key as NS data, and uh, it's up to the user to to figure out where they want to store this key. And most of the time, just storing in the keychain is, is the way to go. Um, and we actually have code samples on our website that, that show you maybe best practices on how to do that. Um, and then the encryption happens also at a very low level. Uh, it happens on the, um, on the memory management level of, uh, of Realm. So before data even gets mapped into memory, um, things are, are encrypted and decrypted. So the file stays entirely encrypted uh, on disk at all times. Yeah, that's mostly cool. all that uh, all that's to say about encryption as far as I can tell. Yeah, no, it's, but it's a question that everybody asks about um, uh, this sort of stuff. Do you have the concept in the database of an encrypted field where you can encrypt just a single field 
uh, or element within within a file, or is that a manual process that you need to do yourself? No, that's a manual process, um, mostly because of the architecture of encryption that uh, that I just mentioned, um, where it's really done on a on an entire file basis, and uh, and it's the memory manager for that file that's or for that memory mapped process that's going to take care of of the encryption process. If you wanted to have only you know, a, a certain set of fields that are encrypted, your best bet there is just to encrypt them um, user side and, and store the encrypted data in a data blob. So one of the things that I liked about uh, using Realm is you um, provided the Realm browser. Uh, which is great because it's, uh, I mean, there are third-party apps to do this with core data, but you know, you've made it part of it. So just can you just tell us what the Realm browser is and, and um, why you did it? Well, the browser is an OS X app that allows you to view and modify your Realm files um, in, in a graphical user editor. And given that Realm is a developer tool, uh, we better have a good development process for it. And so doing things like... Um, debugging to see what kind of data you've put in your Realm file, either through an app running in a simulator or um, downloading a sandbox through Xcode or just looking at the file directly as you're, as you're using it in OS X. You know, those are all very important use cases that we wanted to support. And those, there's also the case in which you might want to um, you know, maybe do some data editing. Uh, so everything that is stored in Realm can be modified by the browser. Uh, so you can kind of change string columns, you can you know, toggle Boolean values, you know, things like that. So, so the, the browser, browser is just one of um, just a very critical tool chain that we have that allow you to build better apps using Realm. Um, other, other tooling that we offer are things like LLDB scripts that allow you know, more native integration of, uh, of Realm databases into Xcode, um, things like file templates that allow you to create data models really quickly. Um, so you know, that being said, tooling is, is super important to us. Cool. And I guess uh, it's also because um, I'm going from memory here now, uh, you get all the source code to the browser, don't you? So it's a good way of seeing a little bit of good practice. Um, yeah. So from the browser, you can actually directly export your models, uh, even if it's a Realm file that's coming from somewhere else, um, into either Objective-C source files or Swift source files or, or Java source files. Um, so it makes it super easy. Let's say you've developed version one of your app on iOS and now you want to support it in Android. Well, within a single click, you can have the exact same models and, and, uh, and port the file over to using it in Android. I guess that's also why you might want to encrypt your file to stop people doing that to your files. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> There's uh it, it, yeah that that's cool okay so and um, one final um, sort of I, I guess technical question around this stuff it's the it's been the sort of talk of the core data world for the last two probably three years now uh, it's the pain in everyone's backside sinking um, what's the sinking story with Realm yeah so that's uh, where we hope to come up with some surprises. Um, one of the key things is that the core technology was actually built for syncing from day one. So it, it is prepared for it. But so we want to make a, 
something that's really great with synchronization. But we definitely don't want to launch it until we think it is great. So it is something you ought to, we don't want to put a date on it yet, um, but it is coming. Okay, so I mean, that that's a good and bad story, depending on who you are and what you're feeling. I mean, not every app needs syncing, um, so it, it's there, but syncing is an issue. But the fact that it's designed for syncing and... Um, you know, from scratch, and you're working on that story is very positive for it in, in its longer future. Uh, you just can't have it right now at this second. Exactly. That's right. Now, Realm does still work with uh, products like ResKit, and given that Realm files are, are very small, um, some of our users actually just share the entire file as a way of syncing. Um, but of course, you know, that comes with you know, that only works in certain situations. So, you know, before uh, just outright dismissing Realm in, in your app, uh, if you're considering you know, using it, but you need some sort of synchronization mechanism, uh, you know, just keep in mind that there are some ways to sync um, currently, even though we don't necessarily support sync out of the box. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm, I've become a bit numb when it comes to um, peer-to-peer syncing between devices it's and i understand why we do it and and um i understand the uh the expenditure models around all this stuff and putting all the expenditure on the user and everything but its days are still very early even even the best models are still not that uh brilliant uh, although thanks to things like ensembles and everything from drew mccormack you know it's a lot better than it was um, but yeah, I still say go for go for a server <laughs> um, if you can possibly afford it. And um, this is where I'm currently using Realm now myself. Um, but then, you know, when you get that data from the server, it's a great database for storing the data in when you're doing your local caching models. Yeah, well, we think so too. Yeah, but uh, I look forward to seeing how it, how the syncing uh, works out. Yes. Cool. So I think from a technical point of view. Um, yeah, we, we've given it a pretty good overview, and um, um, I've purposely, uh, as we've recorded this, sort of try to follow a, a, a sequence that you sort of recommend yourself, or, or I don't know if you recommend, that you've done for your documentation on your website, which sort of, so hopefully it will help people build up as they go to that. But let's just do a few more generic questions around Realm itself to give people confidence about using it or lack of confidence to use it, depending on how they feel about your answers, I guess. Um, so open source. Realm is open source, sort of. Um, explain. Alex, do you want to take this one? Sure. So um, the, the core of, of, um, of Realm is not open source, at least not yet. I mean, we are considering open sourcing it, but the, the C++ version is not open source yet. But all the bindings, all the stuff that people actually interface with, is fully open source under an Apache license. But even though the core is not open source, it's still totally free. I mean, it is under a, a permissive license that says you can distribute the binary as, as you want and use it in any way you want. So the reality is if by some strange twist of bad luck, fate, and several things going wrong, you know, everything, you guys all disappeared, um, you would still be able to use the binary of the core and you would have access to the source code of um, uh, the, the the bindings. Yes, that's correct. 
Yeah, and and actually, we have committed to open sourcing the core. It's uh, um, it's going to happen. It'll be released under Apache two. Um, it's uh, it's really just not the case today. Okay, that's fine. And of course, if you want to be dealing with that, you've got to deal with C plus plus, and then you yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's. But I, but I think it's an issue there for people. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'll ask you a few more questions to allow you to refute some of this stuff in a moment. But if you're investing your app future and your application into something that is still relatively new, um, on the whole, relatively unknown in comparison to you know the big boys in the field, um, you nobody. It's it's quite silly. Nobody will not put core data in their app because they're worried that Apple will get rid of it. Yeah, Apple are very famous for just dropping anything when they feel like it. But people wouldn't think twice. Core data goes straight in there, and that's fine. And 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 we shouldn't sit in panic and worry about everything. People might worry about using Realm because of its longevity. Um, you know what happens if you guys get bored um, or, or whatever else. So. Uh, I think these things and the fact that the the core is a commitment to open source the core, even though nobody in their right mind is going to sit down and probably look at that stuff in C++, who's listening in our audience anyway, um, it's uh, you know, that might create a level of security that will allow people to to invest themselves in it. Now, um, it's open source. It's free. You, know, you guys and others, I believe, work on it full time. Um, if it's not too rude, where's the money coming from? We do get some money from support from bigger companies that uh, want to use it and need support for this. Uh, but of course, the, the, we do want to monetize from that. But we still want to keep the, the basic on-device on version free. So we, we will be introducing a lot of other services around the, the product. Uh, we will have stuff like synchronization and, and supporting services available. Um, but still, the, the core idea is that the... the like everything you use on device will always be free, and that's why it's under like a totally open license. Um, so, Alexander JP, I I said last week on the show that we wanted to come back to having more guests, and um, we've done it with real style this week. You guys have been great. Um, yeah, I always blame John for for waffling on on the show, but we've run really quite long. But everything in there has been um, very valid. So, thank you very much for your time. Um, before we send you off to go do some real work, um, just tell people where they can find out more about Realm, where they can get hold of what they need to, um, where they can follow you if you blog or on Twitter or whatever information you think they need to know. Well, um, you can find Realm at realm.io. So there you'll find lots of uh, tutorials. You'll find documentation um, for, for all of our bindings. You'll find some stories on how people are using Realm, and you'll you'll find lots of information just related to um, to Cocoa and Android development in general. Um, we also have uh, a you know, some some GitHub repositories up there. So Realm slash Realm dash Cocoa for the Cocoa binding and Realm dash Android for uh, the Android binding. Um, we really welcome pull requests. You know anything if you if you uh, want a feature request. Uh, or if you want to make some changes to the code, or if you want to report a bug, you know, GitHub Issues is, is great for all of that. Uh, you can email us at help at realm.io. And you can tweet at us at realm, Twitter slash realm, twitter.com slash realm. Uh, so me personally, you can find me at simjp on Twitter. Uh, and that's mostly the ways to reach us. 
Well, once again, thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, your hard work on the product and uh, for coming on the show and sharing with us. Um, I've heard from John. He's got a sick child. There we are. He has a sick child. So uh, get well soon, Ernesto. And um, it's been uh, great speaking to you. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Back at our, uh, hopefully John will be back with us next week. Well, we say hopefully, it depends on what you think of John, I guess, whether it's hopefully or, or whether you're hoping he's not back. But I'll leave that for you to decide, and we won't hurt his feelings by telling him your answers. We won't run a poll or a survey or anything. But uh, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, you take care. Thank you. It was a pleasure.